This first scripture is the story of Pentecost. It's the, the kind of the beginning version of, of what happened. What I'm asking you to look for in this is that there's three fairly succinct things that happen on that day. See if you can pick them out. David. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Holy wisdom, holy word. As we come to the gospel lesson, there is one thing to look for in this lesson. What is the expectation of God after all of this, after the advocate comes, as you will hear, after the Holy Spirit descends? What is the expectation of us? As you are able, would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, He will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. This is God's word. First of all, happy Pentecost. I know we don't say it that way very often, but happy Pentecost. Many call this the birthday of the church. And I remember last week, or maybe it was the week before, we talked about the grand birthday celebration that I can see it in Friendship Hall you know, of 12 different sets of tables, all with a separate month, and those whose birthdays fall on that month would sit around that table and celebrate together. Dorothy reminded me that it was on Pentecost every year at the church in Sunnyside that that happened, because this is considered the birthday of the church, a powerful day, a day all about relationships. And I, I want to take a moment to just say thank you to Shannon and Patty and Bill, and Mary and Matt and Norma for their work about what you see here. You spent a long time designing and then creating this in a way that would help us feel more intimate. And what it, it struck me the other day, and I share with those of you who did this, suddenly the flames moved from being up here to over all your heads which is exactly what the scripture says. So thank you for the work that you did to create this. I mean, that is just magnificent as is this. It's just beautiful um, for all the work that you did. Now, as we move into this, I want to do a little Bible study. And again, as I said at first service, I just if you have Bibles with you and you want to turn to the second chapter of Acts, then I would invite you to do that. Um, and we're going we're gonna to just kind of break this down a little bit as we look at essential number seven, which is all about a strategic plan for evangelism. What I find in this Acts scripture is three somewhat succinct areas can be divided that way beautifully. First, they were all gathered in one place with expectation, hoping and knowing that a promise had been given to them And so they were waiting in expectation. Second, something did, in fact, happen. 
that gift was given, and, but even in the midst of that, they had to be open to receive that gift. Gathering, receiving, and then out of that came an opportunity to share. Gathering, receiving, sharing. Three key elements as we look at Pentecost. So I want to walk through those briefly this morning. Notice that all the disciples had been gathered in one place. I just want to remind you that this place was an upper room, probably was a fairly large room because we're not dealing with 12 anymore. Now we're dealing with 120 people. Again, just a reminder, that is the required number in order to form a synagogue or a church. All gathered out in the open in a place that was large, and many believe that it was also not only in an upper room, but an upper room with a balcony. So it was very open to anybody who wanted to not only see or hear, but that's where it was. Isn't this a little different than what we saw right before Easter? I mean, do you remember as Jesus died, where were the disciples? Do you remember where they were? They were gathered in a dark room, off, protected, terrified, terrified that what happened to the one that they sought to follow was also going to happen to them. What happened? What happened was Jesus came in among them, and you remember the first word that he spoke every time he went into that darkened room of fear. One word. Consistently one word. Peace. Peace be with you. My peace I give to you. In other words, why are you afraid? There is no need for you to be afraid. And now, as David read, what you saw was not fear, but potentially even confidence. And you'll hear about that more in just a second. But so there they were, gathered in one place based on the instructions of the one they sought to follow with some semblance of confidence and expectation. So, That brings us to number two. What happened? What happened began as a sound, something that could be heard. And it wasn't just heard among them, as you'll hear in a minute, but a sound like the rush of a mighty, violent wind. That's what happens when God breathes. Creation happens when God breathes. Recreation happens when God breathes on anyone or anything. This breath that comes in that feels like uh, the rush of a wind. And it doesn't say that there's anything sequential about this. At the same time as that breath is happening, that recreating breath is happening, a fire comes into this room. What would you do if you saw fire in a room? All of a sudden getting ready to engulf you. Okay, let's go back to elementary school. Stop, drop, and roll. Believe me, they were rolling, but it had nothing to do with protection. And what happened is this fire came in, and like what you see here, spread out into 120 different directions, and suddenly hovered over every head. Now look up and see the flames hovering over your heads this morning. But even that didn't finish what God was doing. Three things happened. The recreating breath the wind, the reigniting fire or refining fire. 
But then came the third piece. They were filled. Filled with something that they had never experienced before. Filled with a power that not only allowed them to be refined, but begin to see themselves in a completely different light. A confidence that was beyond anything they had experienced before, because then came the outcome. That third piece, the outcome, was the fact that they couldn't help but share it. I'm always hesitant to, to, to have readers read all of those names of the countries where people had come, because it's just a tough list. If you have your Bibles, you'll see. There are 16 there. But what it says in the Scripture is that the, those who had received the gift of God began to speak in other languages. This is not the tongues or that heavenly language that we see in, in 1 Corinthians. This is specific languages and why did they do that? Well, because the sound that had happened in that room was not just kind of there. It permeated the whole of Jerusalem and it brought others to that place to see what was going on. And all of those came and heard the story in their own language. It was a huge event and changed the lives of thousands. The key question comes at the end of the scripture. The key question is asked, so what does this all mean? That's our question for this morning. Three movements. Three movements. All as we're trying to deal with this essential number seven. And this is what that essential reads. A healthy and vibrant church will have a strategic plan for evangelism. It is a mature church that clearly understands the power inherent in evangelism, mission, and outreach. Like John the Baptist pointing toward others, Jesus, toward Jesus, evangelism is the intersection of our story as it combines with God's. It's all about God's good news, good news shared with the poor who are in need of food, good news in the form of hope for someone who is feeling hopeless, good news of how Christ has changed and ignited our lives, good news. No matter the type of good news, evangelism is about sharing it with others. A vibrant and healthy church will have a plan, a strategic plan, even an expectation of how and when and where the good news is shared. That is essential in any healthy and vibrant church. So here's the issue. That word, evangelism, for many have become the E-word the word that nobody wants to talk about anymore because what it has shifted and changed in so many ways is to become almost negative in all too many circles. My hope is that we can recapture that word. It's an essential word for us as Christian people because what it does is, it, as the disciples, it, it helps us understand the intense need for us to share our story. So here's what I want to ask you this morning. Here's what I want to ask you. Do you come to church every Sunday expecting to receive something not from me and not necessarily even from the choir? Do you come on Sunday mornings with that attitude of expectation that God is going to provide you something in the midst of this hour? It's key that we come with that kind of expectation, knowing, knowing 
that God's Holy Spirit is not just here in this room. It's everywhere around us. But this becomes a focused place where that Holy Spirit can become even more engaged with us. I think for many of us, we've almost lost that expectation, and yet we need to recapture it. That every Sunday we come with expectant hearts, expectant minds, expectant souls to be reignited by something that God is seeking to give to us. Second, we need to be open to it. We need to be open to what that gift may be. And so not only do we come as with expectant hearts, we come with open hearts, knowing that there is something that we need to do to open ourselves up so that gift can permeate our very busy, our very complex, our sometimes overwhelming lives. What have you done already this morning to open yourselves, not only the expectations, but open yourself to receiving whatever message it is that God is seeking to bring to you? This morning. Third and finally, that we would allow God to light us up, to ignite in us a passion, a passion, a passion that forces us almost without exception to go and be able to share our story with those in need of hearing good news. But here's the rub. Guys, this is, this is where we, we get caught up, I think. Uh, you may not be aware that we speak a language in the church that isn't understood often beyond these doors, and, and sometimes even, even understood in these doors. We speak a language of church ease. If you were to ask anybody on the street what a hymn was, do you think they'd really be able to tell you? Or, or grace, or any of the words that we use on occasion to describe what it is that we try and do here. What's interesting is every single one of you, every single one of us, has a story. Every one of us. A story somewhere in our lives where God has engaged us in a, in a meaningful way. I'll tell you what, you wouldn't be sitting here on a Sunday morning and Memorial Day weekend if that were not true. Matter of fact, I can't imagine you would be coming to church at all if that were not true. I understand that you want to relate to each other and that there are some significant, deep, wonderful relationships here. But you have a story to share. And you have those around you who need to hear it. So my question to you is, how do you tell that story? Or even more, do you? Do you ever share that story with anyone who is around you? I think what's happened in mainline churches, many of them, is that we don't do that anymore because we're afraid that we might... What's a good word? Offend someone. I've shared with you before that, particularly at the hospital, every time I walk into an elevator at the hospital and there are anyone else and it could be filled, one of the questions that I ask the group is, is there anything for which I can be praying for you? I believe in prayer. They have no idea whether I'm a pastor or not. But you know what? Without exception, there is at least one or two or three who then turn and share something out of their lives, hoping 
that that element of their lives will engage with a power greater than themselves. Why is it that we're so afraid to tell our Christian story? Why is it that we're so afraid to share how God has influenced us? And might that fear be unfounded? I don't know of anyone who's not looking for hope. It's really easy to share it when it's feeding someone because that just involves feeding. It's a little more complex when it comes to sharing what's happened in our lives. So you're going to have the opportunity in just a moment to take a little action around that. But let me, let me just finish with this thought before I introduce this. Evangelism is a word that has multiple meanings. It's all about good news. I, I keep looking at this church. What a blessed place it is. But what I keep seeing in the church are opportunities to engage the community in deeper ways. I'm going to bring up the property again. I wish that we had reconfigured this sanctuary so that that was the front and those windows were that look out on that beautiful setting were what we were looking at on Sunday mornings. Because what is out there is creation. It's the beauty of God's creation and it is surrounding this place. Good news. What if part of our evangelism, our strategic plan was engaging the community in broader ways of sitting with the city of Bellevue now that we're, as of July 1, a part of the city of Bellevue and ask them, how do you see the use of this property? Or going next door to the library and sitting with them and saying, how could we enhance the experience of the library with this property? Or, or what if we went to King County and said, what would you do with this? Well, there are a variety of places we can go with that kind of information. And you know what this would become then? This would become good news for people who are seeking a place of solitude or a beautiful place to sit and read or a place just to be in quiet in God's creation. What if that became part of the strategic plan for evangelism. I'm asking you to think differently and more openly about this. But I want to remind you of John's gospel. That what was the requirement, what was that T word in the midst of that gospel? That out of this experience with the advocate would become, would come testimony. And what is testimony? It is retelling what you have witnessed and experienced. But that begs the question, doesn't it? What have you witnessed and experienced? What have you witnessed and experienced? And who needs to hear that? I want you to take out the card that you were handed earlier. And I want to ask you a few questions. And we're going to take some time as Nathan plays, to answer these questions, and I would challenge you to write this on that piece of paper. Here are some of the options and suggestions. Maybe as you look to bring this up to this bulletin board where it says, by the way, come Holy Spirit. You see the cards that were placed there by first service. I will tell you what was interesting is I expected the cards to be turned over. 
so that no one could read them. The first two or three people didn't do that. And if you'll notice, not one of them is turned over. I saw that as testimony, witnessing. This is where my needs are, and this is what I'm asking. So as you take a moment to prayerfully consider what you might write on this card as you are asking the Holy Spirit to come into this, it might be a prayer for God's help in how you might share your story with someone else. It may be a place where you might need wisdom or courage or even patience. You could make a commitment in writing that in the next few days or weeks or months that you will, in fact, share your faith story with a friend or a co-worker or someone who God has already placed on your heart or in your mind. Write that name on the paper with a commitment to take that on. Or how about something you feel called to do here at church where you see our role, the sharing of our story in this community, or you could even write of a person to whom you need to seek forgiveness or forgive. Do you understand what I'm asking of you? That as you write, that you commit that to God's power, to the work of the Holy Spirit as something you're willing to take on in the Pentecost process. This is a birthday of sorts, remember? Where does new life need to happen for you? Will you pray with me? God, your power doesn't just come in the might of a moment, in violence or or what feels like overwhelming power. More often than not, your power comes to us in a still, small way. I ask your anointing on this congregation right now that you would fill each of us with the power of that Holy Spirit. Ignite in us the desire that fulfills what you are asking of us in some cases as individuals, in others as a church. As we write, Lord, guide us and fill us and direct us to commit to those things we place on this card. And then allow us to move to the bulletin board with those cards in hand and pin them up there as our commitment to take this on. All this we ask in Christ's name.